0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين واللعنة الدائمة على أعدائهم أجمعين من الآن إلى قيام يوم الدين السلام عليكم dear brothers and sisters I hope you all are doing well and welcome to another episode of our Tafsir of Dua Kumail podcast Uh, We were discussing in the previous episode how Ali ibn Abi Talib in this du'a, he was essentially comparing the difficulties of this world and the difficulties that are going to come towards somebody in the next world. And essentially the conclusion that he came to was that he would not be able to bear the difficulties that the hereafter is going to host for him. And that the punishments of of the hereafter are so difficult... That he posed this question to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects him to be able to go through these difficulties. Then having said that, he started to show his vulnerability towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he's towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he started to complain to him, basically. And there were two main aspects that he was complaining about. There were two aspects that he was really uh, taking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sharing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why in these lines he said, ashku wa minha wa abki. He said what which of these two issues do I have to come to you and cry about and complain about because both of them are too difficult. There's too many things for me to complain to you about when it comes to the punishment of the hereafter. There's so many issues, I don't know which one to choose. And here he mentions two of them. And of course, these two, each of them, uh, if you break it down, it can be you know, c- considered a thousand different issues because each of them is so difficult to deal with. But he mentions two in particular. Number one, الْعَذَابِ وشدته, and number two, لَطُولِ الْبَلَاءِ وَمُدَّتَهِ He said, am I supposed to complain and share with you how difficult it's going to be for me to go through the punishment of this world um or the punishment of the hereafter from the perspective of how severe the punishment is going to be or do i complain to you about how long it's going to take and how long that period of time is going to be that i'm going to have to grapple with this punishment and we know that the punishment of the hereafter for some people not all people but for some people uh, and we said that this would be a very small group of people essentially would last for eternity now how many people fall under this category? It's difficult to say and I don't think we can really answer that question. Uh, you don't find the answer to that question in Quran or Hadith and it's really interesting and I touched on this in the previous episode as well how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a lot of times He doesn't talk about heaven and hell in terms of numbers. He doesn't tell you and me how many people are going to end up in this group, how many people are going to grow up, uh, you know, end up in the other group, he doesn't tell you that. He just gives you parameters. He just gives you principles that you would apply to someone's lifestyle. And based on that, you would see if they would qualify to enter into heaven or they would qualify or billah, be punished in the hellfire. So we don't really know how many people are going to fall into which of these categories. Nonetheless, Ali ibn Abi Talib says, I have these two problems. Okay, now having said that, now he's going to take it a step further. Okay, so up until now, essentially what he was doing was he was touching on the idea that, you know, he was comparing punishment to punishment. He was comparing the punishment and the difficulties in this world with the punishment and the difficulties in the hereafter and in the next world. Now what he's going to do is he's going he's gonna to take it a step further. And he's going to say, you know what? Forget about the punishment. That's one thing. But then the other thing is this other issue. And that's the other issue that he's going to bring up. So let's follow along with these lines. Here's what he says next. next. If you make it such that I am going to have to go through those punishments with your enemies, right? If you put me through the punishments of the, you know, the punishments that your enemies are going to be put through. And you gather me with the people of your trial and tribulation, essentially again referring to the punishment. If you put me in that group and category, They're gonna go through this punishment. And you separate me from those who number one either love you or number two or are close servants of yours. Ahibba and awliya are different, okay? Wali, the word wali can have multiple meanings. There's three main meanings that the wali the word wali can possibly refer to. And essentially those three meanings is number one. Uh, someone who helps another person, someone who assists another person, that's the first meaning. The second meaning is someone who is a master uh, or you know, someone who has authority over another person, that's the second meaning. The third meaning is someone who is a really close friend. It's just—it's not just a normal friend. And that's why when you have verses of the Quran that say, We have then Surah Al-Ma'idah. These verses aren't saying that you can't have Christian and Jewish friends. That's not what the verses are saying. What they mean is awliya uh, in the sense of very close friends such that essentially your lifestyle starts to become like the lifestyle of your friend. That's how close of a friendship you would have. At least based on the tafsir of some of our scholars. That's what the verse is referring to. Nonetheless, what we know for sure is that the word wali refers to a very close friend. So he's saying, if you take me out of this group, And you separate, uh, you know, me from the group of your ahibba, those who have some love for you, right? And awliya, and those who are, no, they're close servants of yours, right? In some of the translations you see saints, but really what it's trying to refer to is like a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who actually, uh, you know, acted upon the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and actually stayed away from the things that God had forbidden for him. Okay, if I don't fall into either of these categories and you take these people one place and you take me to another place. Well, here's the other issue outside of the punishment. Let me tell you what the other issue is. فَحَبْنِي يَا وَسَيِّدِي وَرَبِّي Okay, let's just suppose. Habni means let's just suppose. My Lord, my Master, Sabartu ala Adabik. عَذَابِكَ Let's just suppose that I would be able to take this punishment. Why don't you tell me how I am going to be able to take the idea, to take this, uh, you know, this situation where I am distanced from you and I'm not close to you? That's more of a difficult situation for me than it would be for me to take the punishment. Essentially, what Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying is that this love that he has for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. The fact that on the day of judgment, if he were to fall under this category of people who are going to be punished, he's saying there's two types of punishment. The first punishment is the punishment that we hear of a whole lot in the verses of the Quran it's the hellfire, it's the blazing fire, right? It's the skin that's burning and whatnot. Kalla inna halada lishawa, right? The fire that, that peels away the skin. But what he's saying is that that's one difficulty the bigger difficulty for me essentially is the idea that I won't be around you the idea that there will be an obstacle a barrier between you and me essentially what Ali ibn Abi Talib is referring to is the idea that punishments have levels. The same way the pleasures in heaven, they have different levels. And we have so many verses of the Quran and so many hadith that talk about this idea of how essentially there is an, a hierarchy when it comes to the pleasures in heaven and also a hierarchy when it comes to the punishments in the hellfire. Right? Not all punishments are the same and not all pleasures in heaven are the same. What Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying is that the idea that you would be satisfied with me, that you would be happy with me, that I would be with you, this is a bigger punishment for me to be deprived of it than for me to have to deal with the punishment of the hellfire. Now, I'm going to elaborate on this a little bit more. Before I do that, I just want to mention this one point that in this line of Dua technically Ali ibn Abi Talib is not saying I can take the punishment of the hellfire but I can't take the punishment of being away from you. And that is a mistake that a lot of times people make when they're going through these lines. They assume that he is saying, I can take the hellfire, but I can't take being away from you. Whereas what he is really saying is, let's suppose, and there's a big difference between those two because what he's alluding to when he says let's suppose i would be able to take the punishment of the hellfire means that the punishment of the hellfire in and of itself is a very very serious punishment right so that's important to understand because a lot of times we sometimes you'll have even speakers lecturers they'll speak on this topic right and they'll try to belittle the punishment of the hellfire and they'll try to speak of the punishment of the hellfire as if it's something that's not too great and it's something that you shouldn't really fear essentially. No, it's something that you should fear. And here Ali ibn Abi Talib, you know, he is fearing it. If Ali is fearing something like this, then why should someone like me not fear the hellfire, right? And of course, I've, I've mentioned this before in the in the podcast and I'll mention it again, that this fear, it should never be the type of fear that you know paralyzes someone it should never be the type of fear that stops someone from moving forward if that's the type of fear that is being stricken in my heart then my understanding of you know my relationship with god is wrong right because the hellfire again is only a proper fear when i'm on the wrong path if i repent and i start working on myself right and i start taking steps towards allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and every time i fall short i repent to him then this fear of the hellfire is not going to be a fear that is going to paralyze me it's going to push me forward right so that's important to understand that when we talk about hellfire and we say that the fear of hellfire has to be in our heart that's there so that you and i we don't sit there and say well i am who i am i don't care what's going to happen no you have to care what's going to happen right but is it going to stop you? Is it going to be the paralyzing type of fear? No. And if, it, if you ever do see that someone has that type of fear in their life, then just know that their understanding of Quran and Hadith is not correct. Because Quran and Hadith is here to move us forward. It's not here to paralyze us, right? It's not here to just put fear in our heart. It's here to put that fear in our heart so that we don't fall into that category of people who are oblivious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, so he's saying that the fear of the punishment of the hellfire is a real thing and I technically cannot even take that. But then he's also speaking of a greater punishment as well. So that's a point I wanted to make before we move on to this. Now, we said that there is a hierarchy when it comes to the punishments and the uh, essentially the pleasures in heaven. I want to explain this just a little bit um, with a very, you know, a very uh, simple example that we might have seen all the time, in heaven, the Quran speaks of there being gardens, of there being servants that would be serving, you know, drinks to the people of heaven, of there being this wine, but different from the wine that you have in this world. And of course, I wouldn't use that wording if the Quran itself had not used that wording, right? um as we read in the verses of the Quran, and that there are these springs of water or springs of milk or honey that are flowing, right? And the and the people of heaven are the most good looking and the the you know the, they feel youthful and all these different blessings that we hear about. But then having gone through all of these, then what you find in the verses of the Quran is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every now and then he will touch on the greatest pleasure that you will find in heaven right and that greatest pleasure that you will find in heaven based on these verses of the quran is the idea that you have a close relationship with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that he is pleased with you the idea that he is pleased with you is the blessing that makes that brings you the most pleasure okay it's kind of difficult for us to understand this because usually when we talk about blessings and we talk about heaven you know we're talking about tangible things we're talking about things that like you know what you can eat what you can drink who you can spend time with right and all of that is there of course but then sometimes just that feeling that someone has being close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the verses of the Quran are telling us that this is the greatest blessing that you will find in heaven. Okay, where does Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala talk about this? Here are some examples. Verse 72 of Surah At-Tawbah. Wa'adallahu al-mu'mineena al muminat jannatin tajri tahtiha al-anharu khalidina fiha. Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised to the believers, the believing men and the believing women that there are going to be these gardens and you know at the bottom of these gardens there are going to be springs that are going to be flowing فيها, These guys will stay here forever عدن, Right, And they'll have these beautiful houses in these gardens that have been prepared for them. And then the verse ends like this But the idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with them the idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is satisfied with them that is the greatest pleasure that they will have that's the greatest feeling that they will have and then the quran says hadim. this is the great victory okay again in other verses of the quran we read fi jannatin wa nahar, the muttaqeen while the people of hellfire they are you know they're dealing with their punishment the muttaqeen on the other hand those who are fearful, and of course when the Quran says Mutaqeen, it doesn't mean that this person was perfect, right? No, it means that this person had shortcomings, but for the most part, he was fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he would repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he had a shortcoming. Then the verse says this, عِنْدَ Muqtadir. These guys are in, you know, these gardens, but what makes it so special is that they are in the presence. Of this great king. And of course, that, you know, the king and the verse is referring to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. So you find that every now and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he talks about, you know, and maybe sometimes he will go, he will talk in a more elaborate fashion when it comes to the tangible blessings of, of heaven. But then every now and then he will also mention the idea that, yes, there is this feeling and this pleasure that's greater than everything else that we mention which is just the fact that someone is close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala okay I'll mention this verse as well and this is from uh, essentially surah al These guys will be in the heavens and they'll have all these blessings and then the verse says this and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be pleased with them and they will be pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this sense of contentment that they have okay so again you find mention of this here and there now it's very interesting because in real life and this is the example that i wanted to mention earlier on in real life the place that you see this manifests itself the most more than you know any other situation is sometimes when you see people go up on a stage To receive an award right and if you've seen award ceremonies you know for whoever they are it might be for an athlete it might be for someone who's I don't know had some you know tremendous professional work in the medical field whatever the case might be right when they go up on the stage and of course they have you can only imagine how many people are clapping for them either in person or on TV for example right and as people are clapping for them and some people might even be like you know shedding tears for them some people might even be you know calling their name from you know from where they're standing and you know like they might have some crazy fans even okay when all of this is going on and this person is you know getting all the fame he's getting all the recognition he probably is winning a lot of money with that award his career is going to get a huge boost because of that award so he's essentially receiving all of these perks, all of these advantages, okay? All these benefits. But even though he is receiving all of this, what you will find at the end of the day that really strikes the heart of this person more than anything else, and the feeling that is the most rewarding for this person ever is when this person might look down at the people who are, you know, sitting, right? and he might see his mother for example he might see his father and that mother or father would be smiling at him you've seen sometimes when they're delivering their you know their uh you know reception speeches right when they come across their mother and father that's when a lot of times they actually start crying what about all the other benefits and all the other blessings and all of the thousands of fans that are clapping for you and the money you're going to get and the you know the boost that your career is going to get all of that is on one hand on the other hand just this sense of my mother and father being proud of me is such a strong sense it is such a rewarding you know feeling for this individual that you will find that Thousands of people will stand for this person, but he won't shed a tear. But the moment his mother or father essentially show that they are proud of him, what happens? Then all of a sudden, he will start crying. Sometimes he'll start crying like a baby. You wouldn't even expect it from this person. Like he was speaking, you know, he took the mic and he was speaking with so much boldness, right? And he was talking about his goals and his purpose in life. But then all of a sudden when he talks about, you know, when he's, he's a child and his mother is taking care of him and how his mother is now proud of him, then all of a sudden you will see that he starts crying like a child even. Right? That means that sense is so rewarding for him, then it goes beyond any of the other prizes or blessings or benefits that he is receiving on that day. This is kind of what like what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's relationship with us is when it comes to heaven. In heaven, someone might be able to receive thousands or millions of blessings, but at the end of the day, just the fact that he knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is happy with him, is pleased with him, that is the greatest and the most rewarding feeling that this person is ever going to have. Now that you understand this, now flip this. On the other hand, when someone ends up in hellfire, the difficulty of the punishment of the hellfire is one thing, the whole idea that the one who did so much good to them and the one who nurtured them and the and the one who blessed them, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the idea that he is not pleased with them, the idea that he looks upon them with wrath, that is the most difficult sense and feeling for them to take. Probably, right? It's probably the most difficult punishment that they have to deal with. And based on here, the you know these lines that Ali ibn Abi Talib is mentioning, this is what he's saying. He's not belittling the punishment of the hellfire. No, he says that's very real, right? And that's important for us because for us that punishment initially when someone is moving towards Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's the punishment of the hellfire that shows itself more and we we understand it more, right? So it's not it's not that he wants to belittle it. He never said I could take it. He's just saying let's suppose I can take it, but beyond that He's saying, even if I could take it, how could I take this punishment? Because this punishment would be so much greater for me. So you found how Ali ibn Abi Talib took it a step beyond just comparing the punishments of this world and uh, essentially the hereafter. He said, no, there's something beyond that and that is the sense that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not pleased with me for the people of hellfire or the sense that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with me as it relates to the people that end up in heaven. Inshallah, in the next episode, we'll continue with the du'a. He will then move on to another issue that he finds that is so difficult for him to take beyond the punishment of the hellfire. That we will discuss, Inshallah, in the next episode.